0: Hi everyone, welcome back to The Human Podcast. So today's episode is with Mal Norton. He's a magician and the owner of the world's smallest magic shop in Plymouth, my hometown. I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you do, please hit subscribe and share it around if you can. And apologies, you were beside a road, so there's a little tiny bit of noise at certain areas of the show, but I hope you still enjoy it. Thanks for watching. Okay, so Matt, thanks for thanks for joining me. Oh, well, a pleasure. So I wanted to ask, could we open with a trick? Is there anything you want to show me in particular in the shop? Would be great to see trick. something.
1: Oh. Uh, have you got any money on you? I
0: think I may um, have a note,
1: like a fifty-pound note or.
0: Oh, not fifty. I having wish.
1: been killed in the rush, I'll uh, settle for twenty.
0: Okay, I do have a twenty. A yes. twenty.
1: Oh, I'm glad about that. It's a lot funnier with a twenty than a ten. Now, I, I, obviously you've only just met me so um, there are many things that you probably don't know in the world and one of them is how to detect a forgery and it's very difficult to tell just by looking at a note or even feeling it um, although there's a strange texture up in this corner, really weird but that doesn't tell us if this is a forgery or a real 20 pound note How do you tell? It's very simple. You have to fold it, which is not easy with these new plastic notes and when I find out who in the government wanted to ruin the magician's career by making them plastic. You fold and you fold and you squeeze really hard. Now if it's a forgery something weird starts to happen and that is uh the sort of uh plasticness comes off it and um Yeah, well, there you go. Definitely (laughs) a forgery there. Uh, (laughs) That's how they make them. They print them over the top of the uh, old fibres. And, of course, at this point, you'll want your money back, so I'll turn it back into the tenner you gave me. Ah. Uh, You fold and you fold. (laughs) You blow. And hopefully it returns to its original state. And at this point, I say, is this the £20 note you gave me? I think so, I believe so. Thank you very much.
0: It's yeah. all I needed to know. I <laughs> well, might
1: get that back at the
0: end. You never know. Very good. That was that was uh, that was awesome. Alright, so now do you do you remember the first magic trick you ever learned?
1: It's funny you should mention that. Um, if you'd asked me six months ago I'd have probably said no, but weirdly, uh, and I have one right here. It was this this isn't the one because uh, that would now be antique. But having said that, it was a plastic thing. I was six years old, and my parents had just started up a second-hand market stall, and there was a toy stall on there. And he was one day. He said, "Look, let me show you this." And he came out with this little vase, and inside the little vase was a little ball. And he said, "I'll take the ball out. I'll put it in my pocket. I'll put the lid back on, and here we go." And when he took the lid off, ta the ball had returned. He said, you've got to be very careful at this point, because if you press the top of the vase here like this, and wait three seconds, the ball will drop right at the bottom of the vase. And that was the first trick I ever saw, mm. to the best of my recollection. And I did save up and buy it. Was, it, was anyone in your family a magician? No, My grandmother was uh, into amateur dramatics and did amateur stage shows, but
0: no one that I know of was into magic. Mm-hmm. So, from age six onwards, were you just were you hooked instantly? Like, um, like in well, it's like it was
1: always there, but it wasn't an instantaneous. I must be a magician. Um, so, I bought the magic set from the market stall, and. Before I bought that, I thought magic was real. <laughs> and I'd said to Mum, oh, I'm buying this magic set it's got magic wandermilk. You will have to cook dinner. Ah, you have to have money. Terribly disappointed, I remember feeling when I would got the magic set. Oh. But I did practice. And for, I suppose, about five or six years, it came and went. You now, because obviously, mum did all the searching for the stuff of the market stall I would end up at jumble sales and such like so i would get the old magic set I seem to remember doing sort of end of season that's not quite the word I'm looking for end of term um, school school shows mm-hmm. I think I did a Cub Scout entertainment badge up until I was about 12 <laughs> This is where I ramble. Uh, I was either 12 or 13 and my grandfather took me on a trip to London. Not specifically for getting where we were going, but he used to be a butler and he was brought up in London. So I think we went to a museum, but he also took me to Hamleys. Now, Hamleys have a magic department that I have had for years. Um... Uh, I know a lot more about it than I did then. I even remember the man who sold me the two tricks that he demonstrated, which was the Svengali deck, now known as the long and short cards. People have dumbed down a lot in 50 years. And cups and balls. And I'm going, wow, I want to do this. And I got home, discovered he told me the wrong pack of cards. As luck had it, mother had bought the other pack of cards, intending to fool me. So she might as well have those now. And the cups and balls. And I, I... must have been a few months later, we went to visit some... I think it was family friends, not 100% certain, but certainly the, they were friends, if not cousins or something. Um, there was two or three kids there, and a couple of adults, and I did the cups and balls... Or this was the particular trick that really triggered it. And I finished the cups and bowls. Can we examine them? Yes, you can. Sneaky little move that I shouldn't tell you about. And I go, how the hell did you do this? And that was a point where I distinctly remember thinking, I'm up to something here. This Mm. is right. Mm. And that, I think, was the turning point that said, this is it. And because I was that kid at school that got picked on if that's the right word I wasn't really bullied it was just uh, uh, I, there were a couple of people below me <laughs> thankfully but once I started doing magic then oh trust, check, just and suddenly I'm elevated to uh I won't say normal status but uh, I, they stopped picking on me mm. and it from that point on yes it became an obsession mm. so yeah
0: Were there any magicians that really inspired you, like your kind of heroes when you were younger?
1: Um, I suppose who wouldn't be inspired by David Copperfield. Uh, Well, let's face it, he is the biggest paid magician of all time. And I think he is the epitome of what a magician should be. Because there's no other magician I know that can make you cry at a card trick. Uh, if you are watching this, listen to this, go and look at David Copperfield's Grandfather's Aces. And if you come away without a tear in your eye, you're not normal. He's just very emotional with his magic, and that's that's why he's got more money than we have. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, Later on, as I got more into magic... Obviously, there's people like Paul Daniels, David Nixon, uh, Doug Henning, who's been a little bit forgotten, but he was very big back in the 80s. Uh, They were all TV magicians at the time. And there are one or two magicians within magic that most of you will never have heard of. Uh, My particular idol, as it were, was a guy called Billy McComb, who's an Irish magician, in amongst magicians, he was very famous. Um, so I probably leaned towards his style of presentation.
0: Yeah, I read online that I think you became a professional when you were 21. What, was that an obvious choice by that um, point that you are going to well, do that?
1: I suppose I would have done it earlier if I'd had the opportunity. And oddly, i completely forgotten until I was thinking about this that uh, a year or so before, I'd done the Butlin' Star Trail. Well, i have actually done it several times, but I actually got through 2 the V-Big Finals, because I always wanted to uh, one of those things that you want to do, I want to appear at the Palladium. And the Butlin' Star Trails was always held at the Palladium, except the year I get there. Because uh, Barnum was on, and they said, we can't use it because they can't take everything down just for one night for us. So uh, it happened at uh, Prince of Wales Theatre, uh, not that far away. And at the time, Paul Daniels had his show at the Prince of Wales Theatre. So sort of sense of irony that I end up working Paul Daniels' theatre at the time. Yeah. And uh, as they pinned the microphone on,
0: they said, this is his microphone. Oh,
1: well, no, it's not his, but this is the one he uses. Yeah. yeah.
0: How were you, you learning at the time when you were younger? How did you learn and hone your skills?
1: Um, fine question. I suppose most of it back then for me was books. Uh, I was very lucky, obviously, because my mother inhabited the world of options and such like. Um, I'm assuming, never found out where they came from, but... Uh, I can't remember if it was Christmas or birthday present. But Dad came in carrying a box full of books. Here's your present. Uh, oh, hang on a sec. Here's your... More. I think there was about 200 books and pamphlets, uh, amongst which uh, were the old Professor Hoffman books, uh, which are um, 100 and odd years old now. Uh, so they're all the real classics. And I've been buying a few of the classic reprints as well. So uh yes I had a lot of books. and obviously you watch everything on telly but the only place to really learn was from books or other magicians and there wasn't very many magicians around where I lived at the time. Oddly now half the magic circle lives where I grew up. They've mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> left. Um so Initially, a lot of books. Back then, you could get videos. Very expensive, but you stick your video in. This is how we do this trick. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, there was a magic club in London. Let's get this correct, because it was two or three. The Grand Order of Wizardry. And there... Met other magicians, and then you start sharing secrets. Um, but I suppose a lot of it did come from books. So you buy tricks, as you look around here, you come in, you buy this, and you go, Oh, right, you get the props out, and you look at the online instructions. I don't even get DVDs anymore. Uh, and that teaches you most of it. But then you've got to go out and learn to present it. That's the, I think. I was lucky enough to learn early on that presentation is 99% of the battle. Anyone can pick up a pack of long and short cards and go, oh, pick a card and learn to do the trick. it will take you 10 minutes. But to learn to make it entertaining and present it in a style that suits you, that's the key point. Yeah, yeah. And if some youngster comes in now and says, oh, what advice have you got? So they sort of go, Oh, is that it? Yes, that's it. Interesting.
0: Yeah, so could you tell me a little bit about the kind of magic you perform? I think it's close-up magic and stage magic.
1: Well, I suppose I've done most things in my life. When I was (coughs) starting out, what would now be considered close-up magic? It's always existed, obviously. Card tricks and that have been around since time began. But people didn't usually walk into restaurants and go, here, whilst you're waiting for meal, pick a card. That really started in about the 80s. So yes, there's always been close-up magic, but it wasn't a way of earning a living. It was more standing on the stage and doing cabaret in front of a lot of people or on a stage, if you were lucky enough. Um, so Yes, I've always done close-up magic, but I didn't really start earning a living at it until I sort of in the middle of my professional career, if you can call it that. So I mostly sort of stand up, and to be honest, most of my close-up is very much stand up, just closer, because in the early stages, it was very much you walked up to a table and you went, here, pick a card, and you showed it to a couple of people, then you yeah, you pick a card. Now it's high table. Let's do it all peer, You can all see it at once. Uh, so that's the way I worked. Uh, obviously started off as many, as many did, can't now, as a blue coat. This shows back to the Butlins thing, uh, where I think I was the only magician ever to be a runner-up in Butlins Star Trail. Doesn't mean to say all the others won, the one else, I don't think a magician's ever won. But I thought, well, bound to become a redcoat now. And they said, yeah, what? But at least Star Trails, you don't want me as a redcoat. <laughs> so I went to work for Haven as a Haven mate. I'm sure I was working for Ann Summers. Um, I think I worked for him for about 15 years. So a couple of times a week, you got to do your thing on stage. And it's amazing uh, when you are said, right, here's a microphone, go and do the bingo, go and do knobbly knees and things that you're just not allowed to do anymore. Holiday parks. Downhill very quickly. When you've got to do that, you learn very quickly about microphones and lighting and just being on stage with a microphone in your hand, holding an audience's attention. Uh, And obviously most... Young magicians nowadays haven't got the hope in hell of ever learning any of that because there's nowhere to to do it. So, uh, I was very lucky, I caught the tail end of a good learning ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. what was the question again?
0: (laughs) I was asking you about uh, you know, the kind of magic you performed, but I was was, going to ask as well has there been like a kind of career highlight for you? Has there been a particular trick, particular moment, particular event that you performed at? That really stands out in your memory
1: um obviously the button in star trail yeah. <laughs> uh, i can tell you i received a telegram in the middle of the afternoon from Mum and dad wishing uh, good luck and that moment is like the bottom of my world fell out and i suddenly realized shit i'm gonna stand on stage in front of however many people this theater holds and uh, I just felt really, really ill for a few seconds. I thought, what the hell am I doing? I don't think I've ever had that sort of feeling again. Um, I don't think there's any major highlights. I, I did do it Search for a Star or something on Sky TV. That's going back. I'd forgotten all about that as well. Um, with Well, um... No, it's not coming.
0: It's kind of like Britain's Got Talent Show, is it?
1: It was was quite a famous talent thing on Sky TV at the time. Um, I can't remember the name of the presenter. Um, I know he's famous for presenting some programme in the nude and got real... Sorry, the word shit comes to mind That's for, for doing it. Um, and the name will come to me eventually, but mm. uh, he did it. And I think the only people that ever saw me on that were on holiday in Spain at the time. So, yeah, we're on holiday in Spain trying to get away from you. And what do we see? Sky Star search. Yeah. Oh, it's Malcolm. Yeah, so mm. Didn't oh. win that. Um, but it's one of those things, as I said, I, I had completely forgotten it until you asked that question. Um, Trick-wise, oddly, the trick that I started with, the changing of the moat—and uh, a lot of my major act has come about more by accident than design. That particular trick, I swore I would never ever do, because when it started to become famous, everybody did it. And I thought, well, A, that's a good reason for not doing it, but everyone I knew who did it, did it really badly. And um, I thought, well, everyone's sort of going to know how it's done because people do it so badly. And I was playing around with it, I suppose it must be about eight years ago because I was in the other market at the time. And I was trying to do it a completely different way. And someone came and said, what are you doing? Oh, I was just messing with this idea. And they went, What? That's bloody brilliant, and um, consequently, it has now become probably my signature piece. That I do it well 99% of the time because money is slowly disappearing in other people's pockets and all tappy tappy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just yeah. like I used to do another trick with a cigarette in my act, beautiful trick, oh, it's a very simple trick. Every, everybody in even non-magicians used to do it, but it was such a funny routine, and it did become a bit of a signature piece for me. There was someone else who did it who was more famous than I was, but yeah, yeah. I used to do it in every show, and if I hadn't got the audience by then, forget it, I could go home. Yeah. But, of course, you can't smoke cigarettes anymore, so yeah. out goes that trick. I yeah. was uh, 15 minutes of my act gone, but... Uh,
0: yeah, I saw on your website that you, I think you said a couple of times, that you, you try and perform magic the way it should be. What do you mean by that? Um,
1: <laughs> I suppose uh, that's a, an argument that many would have. For me, magic should be sit around the nice table, uh, just... Classy, I suppose, is how I would like to think of it. Um, an old-fashioned. Um, nowadays, half the people turn up to a gig. I think some of the proper professionals still wear a suit, but I still turn up in a tuxedo. It was all... Back in my day, it was, you should be the best-dressed man in the room. looked look like somewhere better to go after you've finished. And I always took that to heart. And I also feel very comfortable when I'm in a tuxedo. I know I look as good as I'm ever going to look. And um, people do still seem to appreciate that. Um then, because you've got people like David Blaine. Now, don't get me wrong, I have nothing against David Blaine. Uh, well, not much. I know a lot of people who don't like David Blaine because they think he's a bit of an idiot. Uh, cleaned that one up he um, wrote Dynamo uh, Dynamo nice guy I'm told uh, perfect good magician but they all turn up looking very scruffy and it's I don't think that's how magic should be presented if you're a magician uh, I've always had this odd outlook uh, on stage if I need a lighter I bring out a beautiful gold lighter you wouldn't go if you're a real magician, you wouldn't go, lighter, Bic, okay, you'd, lighter, you'd have, you'd produce the best thing available, like a pen, I want a pen, oh, Bic, no, I, I still use a sharpie like everybody else, but it's disguised, and it's nice, um, I do get people say, well, it's a nice pen, isn't it? No, it's a sharpie, but no, you're not having it, because mm. the cover for the thing costs 10 times more than the sharpie does. Uh, so uh, I just feel it should be presented nicely. Um nowadays it's usually but come here, let me show you this trick. Uh, and it shouldn't even be a trick, it should be an experience. I suppose we're going back to David Copperfield. That's what magic should be. Sure. Okay.
0: So what is it about magic that you that you love? What do you enjoy?
1: <laughs> now that's a good question. Um uh, I suppose most people would say, "Oh, being able to fool people," but I don't think it's even that. The for me, it's not so much people going, "Wow, how do you do that?" It's they walk away having had an experience, perhaps um, to hear people laugh. And the sound of the applause as you finish your act, and they go, oh, that was great. We really enjoyed that. The essence on having enjoyed rather than, how the hell did you do that? Anyone couldn't make you go, how do you do that? But to have people come up to you afterwards and say, we really enjoyed that. Um, <coughs> actually, coming back to your previous question, there was, there was a night I did a magic show for one of the local magical societies, and a friend of mine, who must be in his 80s back then, he's unfortunately no longer with us, but um, after I'd finished and came off, he said, you know, that is the first time I've enjoyed watching a magic act in years. And that, coming from a magician as good as he was, really hit home. And I thought, well, that's the biggest compliment I was ever paid. Another magician enjoyed watching an act that he could have done. Um, I don't do anything complicated or particularly special in the act, but I'd like to think, what I do, I do well. And present well. Again, it comes back to that. I'm not just showing you a trick. Presenting.
0: Why do you think people like magic you know you've said why you like performing it but why do people enjoy that experience? Hopefully again there's an experience of
1: I suppose if you do a good job an experience of wonderment that you've just seen something impossible There was a, uh, someone else asked a similar question of a lot of professional magicians. What is magic? And none of them really had a particularly brilliant answer. Uh, Why do you enjoy watching anything? Not everyone enjoys magicians. Uh, I have had a couple of people, you walk up, Nope, don't like magicians, go away. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. Uh, I'm being paid, so it doesn't matter. but you know, it does sort of hurt a little when someone says, nope, oh, not interested, bugger off. I did have one couple um, say, no, we're not really interested, thank you very much. So I went to the next table, and by the time I'd finished this table, they were watching like you wouldn't believe. Oh, sorry, I <laughs> good, I can cope with that. There was another experience, very similar, I went up to uh, one table, and the lady at this so I started the shower trick. She was really rude and, you know, what? Oh, I'm not interested. By the time I finished the trick, she was all over me. I was like, oh, marry me.
0: Why do you think um, some people have that resistance to magic and, you know, want you to go away? Uh, <laughs> not you, Pazzi. <personally>. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, in some cases, uh, they've had a bad experience with a previous magician. Magicians back in the day, and anyone who remembers paul daniels may remember that one of the big things that people disliked about paul daniels was the way he would not belittle his audience but he would take the mickey out of them quite a lot and he would manhandle them a little roughly a little rudely but it was back then it was more acceptable but you would get jokes at the audience's expense and that would make them feel a bit uncomfortable. And if you've had that with a close-up magician, then, yeah, that would put you off watching them again. Some people just don't like magic for various reasons. Sometimes it's just, I don't like it because I can't figure it out. I, just, yeah, I don't want to see something that I can't handle. Uh, so it could be any one of a number of reasons, but it's more often than not that they've seen the magician earlier on in their life and had a bad experience or even children's entertainer okay. um, god bless a completely different breed of magician mm. um, all hail to any good children's entertainer because i've been there done that and it's bloody hard work mm. it's easy to get kids screaming shutting them up again not so easy that's uh, that's an art form mm.
0: So what, what's, um, what's difficult about being a magician? What's the most difficult aspect of the job? Uh, getting the
1: work of being a magician. If you are naturally inclined to it, and I've, I've always felt that a good magician has this sort of natural inborn talent to be a magician. Uh, like if you're good at playing the piano, it's just something in you that makes you good at playing the piano. And I think the same is for magicians. So actually learning your craft isn't... Sometimes you can spend years learning a piece of sleight of hand and getting it right. But uh, I've always felt when it comes to learning magic, you have to learn it twice. You can stand at home in front of a little mirror going, oh yeah, that looks perfect. You go out in front of an audience. Now, the mirror doesn't talk back to you. The audience do. once you start interacting suddenly all this hard work oh right well I wasn't expecting that so you've now got to learn the extra bit of the audience interaction and then just you keep on doing it. I've got a rope trick that I am still doing after uh, 40 years and there are parts of that trick that still aren't quite right but it's evolving, and every time I do it, it's just a little bit alright. So that worked this time, that didn't. So uh, it just slowly evolves. Although 40 years is a bit of a long time, but there's one part still not happy with. Um, so it's not overly difficult to become a magician, just time in some cases, but then you've got to go out and get the work. Um, that is, that's the bit I'm not good at. I tend to let work come to me, but luckily I have friends who, oh, I can't do this gig. I won't give it to them because they'll nick the uh, venue off me and they know I won't do that. So, uh, I'm booked. Can you do this one for me? Yes, I can do that. So, uh, that's the way most of the work comes to me, either that or through an agency, rather than me running down the street and going into the pub and saying, do you want a magician? It's not honest it's not a sort of crowd i really enjoy working to anyway so Uh, i'm more your quiet hotels
0: yeah and and as well as performing magic you actually own the magic shop we're currently in which i think is kind of regarded as the world's smallest magic shop it
1: is indeed yes didn't used to be but um yes if you're sat at home watching this on your toilet chances are your toilet's bigger okay um there is a Apparently a shop in Vegas that's about twice this size that would be sort of the next step up. But otherwise, yes, most definitely. And yes, I can fit more than six people in. There is a sign that says maximum six people, and people laugh. But I do somewhere have photographic evidence of six people in the shop, Mm. or seven if you count the person who was taking the picture stood somewhere in the doorway.
0: yeah, you've, so, you've you've owned a couple of magic shops, so why did you want to, you know, own a store as well as just be a performing magician?
1: I don't know. I think deep down I probably always did want a magic shop. because um, I know my workings out or rough book as they called it back in the day, um had like adverts for magic tricks in. I, I just, so th- there was I think always part of me way back then that wanted to be the owner of a magic shop because I used to spend a lot of time and money
0: well, I saw on your website that Darren, a photo of Darren Brown, he's been here, he said this is the world's most charming uh, magic well, shop <laughs> what was the story of him coming here?
1: Uh, well it works out uh, oh, how long ago was this one of his earlier shows I think I've been to most of them. There might be one I missed. And stood outside waiting for the obligatory autograph. And at the time now at the time I had the shop in Frankfurt Gate, so that will tell you how old this is. And he put a book out for magicians called Pure Effect. And there was another one that came later. And I had my copy of Pure Effect with me at the time. And asked can you sign oh this is a. I haven't seen a copy of this in many a year I used to sell them you did yeah, I have a local magic shop there's a magic shop uh, yeah unfortunately I'm not open tomorrow oh damn well next time I'm in Plymouth we'll come and find you and it's quite a long intricate story in amongst this <coughs> a couple of years later I had moved into what is now the Whatever it is up the road, I forget the name of it, but it was the indoor market. And he poked his nose in and I spent a while looking through things. And at that point, there was a magician called Ollie Mealing. Who? Yeah, he's very well known amongst magicians now, but he used to live around here. And I put on Facebook, oh, Darren Brown's just been in. Ollie came running in said, Is he still here? No, but I know he's around the Barbican somewhere. And he went off. It took him about two hours apparently, but he found Darren in I think it was a little coffee shop down the road. Or tea rooms. And next thing I know, Bobby Mealing is now working for Darren Brown. Uh, um two years later, because it goes into two year cycle, they come down and brings all his crew and such like in. Um this has gone on ever since. Every two years, he comes down. Oddly, Ollie Mealing has now left and replaced by uh, I forget his name, yeah, Alex, Hansford. Alex, Alex Hansford. Alex, is Alex yes.
0: Hansford. Oh, yeah, I know him a little bit. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, Alex, also comes from Plymouth. Yeah. Yay. So, uh, I don't know if Darren has a thing about Plymouth or something. Um, uh, although, oddly, I don't think I saw Alex while he was here. I know this year when he came in, he'd got laryngitis, so he said, I'm not staying and buggering off, but I have brought these two to meet you. And then suddenly standing in the doorway is Andy Nyman, who you may have heard of. He's done a lot of movies. He's an actor, stroke, mentalist, and Darren's right-hand man. And Andrew O'Connor, who was young magician of the year way, way back and now one big big producer and um, he has done some acting in between, but he produces Darren. so uh, there are these two legends stood in the doorway and uh, I got to spend a bit of time with Andy Nyman who just like Darren, really really nice people. I mean a little story. Uh, they turned up because Darren doesn't drive. So they arrive at the train station, and there's a woman trying to get a taxi, couldn't get a taxi, and Darren says, where do you live? We'll take you home. So they drive her home. This is the sort of person Darren is. Nice. Just wonderful person. Mm. But even Andy Nyman, when he was in here, and Andy's put a lot of magic out through various other magical establishments, he said, this is a real magic shop. I said, well, you've worked for people like Alakazam and all that? He said, no, this is a real magic shop. It's all tucked away there's wondrous things in every nook and cranny this is what it should be he spent hours going through all the drawers and bless him
0: again really nice guy Um, what
1: was the question again
0: just asking you about how Darren ended up here oh yeah uh, that's that's, a great story yeah give it a couple of years
1: and uh, hopefully he'll feel a bit better next time round yeah so yes he is um Without question, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. As is his whole crew.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, he's a, he seems a, for sure a lovely guy, um, so, and kind of sticking on the shop. So, yeah, what, what do you enjoy about running a magic shop?
1: <laughs> it's my shop. I can get up when I want. I can leave when I want. Um, it's like anyone who's doing what they want to do. It's just. There is a saying: If you do what you enjoy doing, you'll never work a day in your life. And quite frankly, I haven't worked a day in my life for a long time. So yeah, um, I get to, on the whole, meet some interesting people from all over the world. You get magicians. I've uh, had one in this week who's on the holiday from America. Really nice guy, and have wonderful conversations with. Some really nice magicians. You get one or two very strange ones.
0: Do, do people from lots of different kinds of careers and lifestyles come into your shop and are interested in magic? Is there a certain kind of person?
1: Um, there are people who decide they uh, want to do... Uh, there's people from all walks of life who do magic. Um, it doesn't mean to say that I mean, some of the greatest names in magical history have been in the legal profession. And without uh, this guy called Alex Elmsley, and without him, half the card tricks that we do now wouldn't exist. Yeah, he was a complete amateur solicitor. He uh, just enjoyed doing it. Um, and they're quite surprising over the years I've met people that have done magic. And I thought, well, you really don't seem the sort that would do magic, but it's a hobby. Um They just enjoy doing whatever it is they're doing. Uh, Sounds like they're trying to destroy the world out there. Uh, So, yes, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful people who come past. I had in here uh, who we had him from EastEnders Oh, good God. I'm getting old. And when you get to my age, two things happen. One, in memory goes, two
0: (laughs) <laughs> um, that was a good one
1: not Danny Dyer, the other one that's very similar comedian uh, oh. well he's in these tenders anyway yeah. um, and he's a comedian by <laughs> trade you'll probably know that really nice guy he spent time I mean he went round everywhere I mean, everyone obviously went to drool drool uh, but he was in there he said look there's a couple of tricks I do for the kids and can you run me through uh that particular trick, he said, well, I've got it, but I've never, never So we spent 10 minutes or so going through the trick, never realized he was into magic, <coughs> but yes, he is um, now slightly better. I hope um, David Bailey, the photographer, no one realized it was him until he'd gone. He came in, in fact, that's where I he <laughs> uh, was not that he was into magic, but he was interesting He was having a look around, he said, I spent last night with David Lane. He's an mm. arsehole, isn't he? Oh. Yeah. I had heard the stories. Uh, so you get the oddest of people, uh, and we do get quite lucky with one or two big names who wander through here because they're appearing at the theatre. Uh, but I miss some of them.
0: You know, from interacting with people in your in your store over the years, and, and probably you know, more so from performing tricks, Like, what have you learnt about people and Human psychology. Oh! <laughs> yeah, probably lucky things. Is there any big main takeaway um, you've, you've learnt? Surprise? Anything? I don't think there's anything that's really surprised me um, other than my
1: daughter does psychology at school and by crikey, to listen to her talk about uh, she psychoanalyses me and her mother all the time and you think, like, please give up psychology. Um, I can tell you that people on mass are stupid. stupid. Um, I know that sounds very cruel but as a magician if you've got a whole audience in front of you you need to keep things as very simple as possible. Uh, it might just be a magic thing in particular but um, none of what I do is complicated magic. If you start doing a card trick where you're dealing cards into three piles of seven not only will I physically kill you the world's worst card trick but it's incredibly boring and by the time you finish people don't care but if you've got anything that's remotely complicated and this is what put me off card tricks for years halfway through the trick you've lost them so you've got to keep it really simple so the audience can actually understand what you are doing here's a coin it disappears simple easy to understand probably my day can revolve around. I've had a customer, here's your change. This what they walk away and they're really happy that they've had this little moment of magic done to them. Just force of habit to me now, um, just your, don't even think about it, but brings a moment of joy to their day, and that makes me happy weirdest simplest of things
0: yeah that's nice outside of magic have you got any other main hobbies or interests no <laughs> i do watch an awful lot of movies
1: can says i'm a movie nut but i have i mean even of a day if i've got a couple of hours then i'll watch a movie and sometimes i think that's two hours of my life i'll never get back again i do quite like horror movies but they're some real real dodgy horror movies out there mm-hmm. Well, you see some you there was one I was started watching yesterday I just caught the way through I gave up but there's some that you go oh this is intriguing and by the time you finished you I thought well I thought that was going to be a crap movie but in actual fact that was quite good mm-hmm. um, sort of the movie that not everyone would come across because I, I do watch the oddest of things but that, um, do enjoy audiobooks a lot because obviously I have to walk to and from work. So I'm often listening to a book. Um, friends who know me will say, Oh, we saw you in town the other day, but no, you were lost in your own little world. What,
0: a, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into magic? <coughs> or, you know, take it the whole way to a career, don't?
1: um. <laughs> um I think my advice would be presentation is 99% of the battle. If people like you as a person, they will like what you do. And you can pretty much get away with anything. If they don't like you as a person, you can get away with anything because they're not paying any attention to you anyway. So forget it. Uh, People have got to enjoy watching you do your thing. Obviously you want to be the best magician you can, but they need to enjoy your presentation of it, because at the end of the day, the trick's doing nothing without you actually doing it, so you are the key focal point.
0: And, and last of all, do you have any plans for the future with your work, with the shop?
1: Um <laughs> to sit here and wait for you magicians to come pouring in I have magicians um, oddly due to trick of the week um, I have a note come through yesterday strangely it says you've got a bit of a following here in North Wales um, I, I know there's two or three magicians in North Wales who watch it and uh, comment, I don't know about the rest of the world but um, no, we shall do more tricks of the week uh, if I, uh, there is a an online website, obviously, and um, Facebook. In fact, the top secret Facebook page probably has more interesting stuff on it than the website. Because if I get, I'm a bit of a specialist in the. I don't have all the latest magic tricks here, because most of them are all copies of something that's already been anyway. But uh, I get antique stuff and slightly more unusual bits if I can. That's what I've always been known for, for the slightly... If anyone of note is after something, they'll usually contact me and say, Look, can you find this for me? Not so easy now, because most of the really nice stuff has ended up in magical collections. uh, Mostly anywhere but here in England. Uh, any really nice stuff I get tends to end up in Germany, Japan uh, America maybe but not very often in England it may turn up in England but it'll end up somewhere else
0: Well I'll put a link to your shop in the description in case anyone wants to come visit you but thanks a lot for speaking uh, it was great uh, to ab- visit you here today and, and have a chat
1: Absolute pleasure How's that time gone already? Um, and <laughs> Sorry, probably wander off
0: somewhere. No, it's all good. Thanks a lot, Ma. A pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you enjoy the Human Podcast, please consider subscribing. I hope to see you soon.